0: Luke Y. Thompson of New Times calls this movie extremely weird and certainly not for everyone, yet very, very brilliant in its own strange way. Sean Mulvihill of fanboynation.com calls it an aggressively bizarre movie, a mashup of conflicting sensibilities that would only work for a niche audience. And Letterboxd user Jean Parmesan claims to have watched this during the attempted MAGA Coup on the U.S. Capitol, led by outgoing President Donald J. Trump, the ultimate fancy lad. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of
1: Cabin Boy. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods
0: Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters! Hey, Dan and Starfighters! Hi, John. We are recording in person. We there were, <laughs> since <laughs> the last episode. Uh, we claimed that we would be recording this up at a cabin at Mount Hood here in Oregon. Um, we were at at Mountain Hood earlier. But uh, we decided to come back to Portland, and here we are recording. But we're in person, which is so exciting. It's a, yeah, it's, it's like we're
2: just having a regular conversation here with a bunch of audio gear set up in between us.
0: I know, and I, uh, if it sounds any different, it's because we're recording on some new gear that I got that I haven't had a chance to play with uh, before just now.
2: so We know that's what you're thinking is, wait a second, something sounds off, something sounds different.
0: That, yeah, and that that's is exactly that's what expl- you're thinking. Wonder
2: no more. We want you to be able to focus your cognitive energy on our discussion of cabin boy.
0: Yes, uh, Dan, before we begin, I think that this news broke after we recorded our last episode the poor one out of all poor one outs to Charles Grodin. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, you know what? I think the news broke like the day before, and it occurred to me that we oh, did, did not. Oh, did we not? We did, we, but we are making
0: up for it, like, right now. It's, it's one of those that just, like, hits you way harder. Um, I don't know. There was just, like, you know, there are some people where it's just, like, you know, someday we're going to be living in a world without this person. and have accepted it's just, like, it. I never thought about that for Charles Groden. and I just kind of always imagined he would, you know, being be around, I don't know. It's not like he's been in anything recently. Right. Yeah, no. He's kind of like, he had kind of, he had
2: stepped away and I mean, yeah, it makes sense that Charles Grodin is, is older now than he was in like 1988 when he made Midnight Run and you're like, wait a second, how could Charles Grodin die? But it, yeah he's one of those actors and and I think for for us it's like our generation we are starting to see some of those like standbys the stars who were who were there right. in all of yeah. the movies we saw growing up you know from you know there's beethoven clifford clifford yeah, clifford, yeah and taking care of business mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, and then the, the the other ones that came out in the 80s, but that I would say were not as much childhood favorites, but more recent, Midnight Run,
0: Ishtar. Yes, oh my God, he's so great in Ishtar.
1: Jim, I'd like to go over the Shira sure cell situation with you. As one agent to another, I've heard the Amir is a prick. Really? Well, we'll have to look into that. But the main thing is to get you out of town before you're recognized. Yeah. Do you know anything about the desert? Yeah. That's where Las Vegas is. Cute, huh? That is cute, yeah. That's where Las Vegas. It's <laughs> yeah. a good one. I remember that. It's a good one. Mm. Yeah. You can it's not pointing now. Oh. Stand up. Okay. There's two canteens and a compass in here. Two canteens, compass. You and Lyle walk out of town. Walk southeast. Southeast. In a couple of hours, you'll run into the Harridon Oasis. Harridin Oasis. But how do we know? You'll, you'll, you'll know it. You can't miss it. We'll pick you up there. Mm-hmm. Move the camel. Move the camel. The camel. Move the camel. Move the camel. Where? Anywhere is on my foot. Oh. <sighs> Sorry. What the hell's the matter with that camel? Is he blind? Yeah.
0: The other one that I love him in is Heaven Can Wait. Which is like a different type of role for him.
1: Yeah, darling, listen to me. There is nothing to be frightened of. There's plenty to be worried about, but there is nothing to be frightened of, dearest. Are you all right? Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Yes, dearest. Okay. okay.
3: You locked me in a closet.
1: Only for a moment. What did you say to him? I told him you saw a mouse. Oh, my God. But darling, look, look, I'm not very oh good at spur-of-the-moment alibis. I'm very calm, oh. but I'm not very good
3: What's the difference he knows anyway? He's probably got enough evidence to lock us away for the rest of our lives.
1: Darling, I don't understand this, back. I saw him inhale the nose spray. Two full squirts <laughs> in each nostril. He never really
3: inhaled it, did he? He overheard us somehow. That must have been what had happened. I mean... Maybe he's got us bugged right now. Maybe everything is recorded. No, no, Why darling, not?
1: we're Guess not it? being recorded. An electronics expert sweeps the place everywhere. He's afraid of being bugged too, darling. He's playing no. with
3: us. That's what it is. This is a game. Oh, my God, he's playing a game with us. That's what it is. You locked me in a closet. Ah! <laughs> oh
0: my God. He's, you know, a little bit more schemy and sketchy and, like, just not the type of Charles Gordon I think of when I think of him in, like, Dave. Right. Oh, well, oh, yeah, right. Dave, or, he's, he's extremely likable. Or in So I Married an Ex-Murderer, where he's the guy whose car is being commandeered by uh, Anthony LaPaglia. Oh, that's <laughs> yes. <laughs> commur- the commercially guy. Excuse me,
1: sir. I'm with the San Francisco Police Department. This is official police business. I would like to commandeer this vehicle. No. What do you mean, no? I happen to know for a fact that you don't have the right to commandeer my vehicle. Please, can I commandeer this vehicle? No. You're just just not going to bend on this commandeering thing, are you? No. Would you mind not doing that? This bothers you? No, it's one of my favorite things.
2: Yes, he's so, and he was so good at, at that—the curmudgeonly thing yeah. in uh, Beethoven again, yeah. Oh, famously. Yeah, yeah. And the schemy, like you see that a little bit in Ishtar. But man, I just like you know, I love Midnight Run. Yeah, and his work in Midnight Run is so phenomenal. And we've—it's in the archives. We did our yeah. episode on Midnight Run but just watching him he's
0: doing his best work in that movie for sure.
2: Yes. Though it's hard to say that that's his best. Like there's so many other movies he did in uh especially in like the early 80s that he was just so much like that guy. Like he was he's really one of one of the only actors that I can think about that could just hit like that character. Right. Yeah. So so well. And like like the 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 kind of like, you know, grumpy put upon dad, like other actors like Steve Martin has done that, but not to the like, just pitch perfect way that Charles Grodin approached those characters. So we are, we're pouring out a big one for, for Charles Grodin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and we're, we're going to pour out another one for Gavin McLeod. Yeah. Which uh, the day we're
0: recording this, the news broke about that one. So we're being a little bit more current about that and certainly pour one out gavin mcleod uh dan news wise uh and this is maybe pr- like pretty old news by the time this is coming out but how are you feeling about timothy chalamet as young Willy wonka
2: how about how am i feeling about
0: young Willy wonka period right i mean that's yes i agree but i know that if if I'm remembering correctly, you didn't absolutely hate Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or no? Is the it Charlie, and Charlie, and the Cho- Charlie and Charlie in the Chocolate, Chocolate, Chocolate Factory?
2: Factory. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't hate it as as much as most people did, and I also don't have the the um like all consuming love for the 1971 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh-huh. I do. There are aspects of it that. I think are wonderful. I think Gene Wilder. The Gene Wilder of it, yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's the thing is no one will ever ever touch Gene Wilder in that yeah. in that role and yeah, I know. I'm sure there are like actors yet to be born who would make good Willy Wonkas and Timothy Chalamet is very talented.
0: Yeah, and and honestly it's like if it has to be done, he's the right person for it. But
2: I guess it it depends on, you know, it depends on, on where you're going with it. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to try to just expand the backstory that they did, that Tim Burton did in 2005. I imagine
0: so, where it's like the child of a dentist.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, Christopher Lee is no longer with us. Right. Who played uh, Willy Wonka's father. Yeah. In that. Yeah. The, the. And I've seen that one more recently, the the Tim Burton one, because after, I think it was last summer that I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to mm-hmm. my, my now seven-year-old daughter, Chloe, and we, you know, our 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 tradition is we read the book and then we watch the movie oh, and yeah. I kind of gave her the choice between the two and she picked the 2005 version, okay. which is a more faithful adaptation of the
0: book. How did she choose? What were what were the things that informed her decision?
2: We showed her trailers. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I think it
2: for for a modern day kid, when they see those two. Right. The the Tim Burton one is flashier and it's more it seems a lot more high paced, a lot right, more frenetic. Yeah. So she went with that one and i think she liked it and i don't know if she's ever going to want to at some point we'll watch the the gene wilder right right but it, it's i don't i'm not a huge fan i don't love all the songs in gotcha
0: yeah there are some good ones uh you know certainly when they're on the boat going down the river well yeah yeah That's and great. i don't even
2: that one i don't even really think of as like a musical number right it's not a song but like cheer up Charlie No, stops no, no, the whole no, thing no. dead in its tracks. Yeah.
0: And it's funny how long it takes them to get to the chocolate factory. And there are some parts of it that I like, you know, when you, it, the reveals happen for each of the kids and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah, the kids are
2: all, yeah. Like the kids are all, are all great in the original. I mean, like those performances are iconic. The, right. From for every one of, of those kids. Like the portrayal of the kids, sure, I like so much better in the nineteen seventy one. Yes, um, and Grandpa Joe, the um, Jack Albertson, uh-huh. in the nineteen seventy one version, it, the the reveal of when he he, uh, you know, when they find out and he jumps out of the bed. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's funny because that movie seems like, and I know that we're far from talking about cabin boy and maybe it's just because i'm trying to put it off but well I th- we're, we're, we're <laughs> not there's a tim burton connection there certainly is a tim burton connection but before we get to that i just want to um point out that like the 1971 uh willie wonka and the chocolate factory it almost feels like it's starting off like one of those like Pippi Longstocking or Apple Dumpling Gang, like one of those types or of movies. Or Oliver. Or Oliver. And then it just like takes some weird turns. Well. And I mean, largely yeah. thanks to Gene Wilder, but. And I, the direction, I mean, that shit right. gets trippy. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah,
2: no, it's very, and it, no surprise because Oliver won Best Picture in for
0: 1968.
2: Uh-huh, okay. So it, it makes sense that, This chart that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory would veer in that direction. It's also really interesting, and I feel like when I saw when I first saw Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I might have seen it in the movie theater. I have some vague not not during its original release, of course. Yeah, Um, I would have had to time travel for that. And but I think I saw it in one of those like you know it's a weekday morning we're showing. Kids' movies at the uh, yeah. the Westfield Rialto. I have some. I I for some reason have some memory of seeing it at the Westfield Rialto and seeing it. And I mean, this is this is this is where my mind starts to like mix things together. But I have these really, like, I I just have this strong memory of seeing Willy Wonka and and the Chocolate Factory in the theater, and they, they ran trailers before it for like current movies that were not kids movies. Like for some reason, the trailer for the eye of the needle, the Donald Sutherland (laughs) spy thriller. Oh my goodness. sticks out in my head and maybe I, I could be mixing. My mind could be like creating some amalgam of, of memories in my mind, but that's what I, I recall. And, um, I, so I don't know where I was going with this but <laughs> I remember I remember think I remember like later on being very surprised that it was that it was 1971 because Gene Wilder had was a fairly fresh face right. in movies I mean you know he he's in uh, Bonnie and Clyde he's got a great oh, yeah. uh supporting very role in small role in, in, small role in yeah. Bonnie and Clyde but he's he's really great in it and then the producers right of course but then Willy Wonka comes pretty soon after that. It's uh-huh. pre Blazing Saddles. It's pre Young Frankenstein. Pre right. Silver Streak. Well, yeah. Pre <laughs> uh, um, uh, just I'd say yeah. any
0: of the Richard Pryor collabs.
2: Right, right. So when you look back and and you see that, like, oh wow, so this was really this was really early in his career as a movie star, but he is so
0: he carries that movie. Yes. So fantastically. Absolutely. You're not going to hear many people argue that.
2: No, that's, that's true. It's kind of sacrilege. Like even if someone did not think that Gene Wilder was very good as Willy Wonka, they would not say
0: it. It's
2: (laughs) yeah. You know, you're much, yeah. You're, you're less likely to hear someone praising the 2005 Charlie and the chocolate factory than disparaging the 1971.
0: Yes. The 2005 directed by Tim Burton, who produced was uh, I guess allegedly maybe originally going to direct, but ended up producing with Denise Stanovi, his producing well, partner.
2: The story is that he had approached uh the the writer and eventual director of Cabin Boy, Adam Resnick, Adam Resnick yeah. About writing a script
0: Oh. Okay. for him
2: to direct. And I'm not sure if Chris Elliott was involved in that as well, or if Adam Resnick just looped Chris Elliott in because they were close and they worked on Get a Life. Right. So, Get a Life was
0: before this. Get a Life was before this. Get a Life premiered. By the way, we're talking about Cabin Boy.
2: Yes, we're talking (laughs) about the movie Cabin Boy today. It came out in 1994, and it is remembered. It's funny. So, a little crossover here with with work because- okay.
0: (laughs) Well,
2: so- um, for, for those who might be new, who might, who, who may have thought, huh hmm, I've never listened to this podcast before, but cabin boy, I've got to check this out.
0: It's a cult classic. It like, has become one. Yeah.
2: It has become one. And I, so I teach uh, high school language arts and I was working with my kids on creating, uh, research-based informational presentations and, just kind of giving them some options as to how to do it, and I was modeling, uh, creating a website using using Adobe Spark, so not gotcha. complicated web design, but still enough to get to get the message across. And I was thinking, I was just kind of trying to come up with something without doing too much e- extra work. So I made my, I was like. Well, I'm going to make my topic about the films of 1994 and the whole thing was that the the whole thing with for the students was that they lead into an argument that all their informational research leads into an argument paper and I was like okay so my argument my my claim is going to be that that 1994 was the the highest quality year in film <laughs> history, or like the best year in film uh-huh. in film history? So I did this whole uh, you know website about the films of 1994 and talking about all the the, the you know the the blockbuster hits, the um, you know mentioning some of the cult hits, mentioning like Jim Carrey, who's right, big
0: year <laughs> for Jim Carrey,
2: yeah. And uh, Cabin Boy did not enter the picture, but Cabin Boy would have appeared. On a, on a slide or on a page that would have been of the, like, lowest rated, lowest grossing, right. <laughs> lowest regarded films of 1994. But this came after, uh, so Get a Life premiered in fall 1990. This was a uh, sitcom on Fox where Chris Elliott played a 30-year-old who still lives, he's a paper boy who lives with his parents. Yeah. And he he's kind of this uh, oblivious idiot who thinks that he's got everything figured out, and uh, <laughs> and that nobody else does. Right. And it was a it's a it was a really fun show. I haven't seen it in in several years, but it it was I mean one of the few times REM has like licensed their music for a TV show. That's right. Yeah. Stand was the. Uh, the opening song, but Chris Elliott starred in that show and, and co-created and this was building off of his popularity from being
0: on uh, the late show with David Letterman. Sure. Yeah. He was a, you know, just one of those characters, one of those people that just pops up every now and then and does something completely ridiculous. He was the guy under the, the guy under
2: the, under the seats, the under guy the under seats? the seats. Yeah. I think that
0: might've also been the name of his memoir. His book was it uh, the guy under the I think seats? Think the guy under the seats, and just like super weird dude, and he just really committed to all of his characters, and the more absurd the better. And what I love about Chris Elliott, and this is going further in his career to actually kind of pseudo present day, but he. Thrives at being be, at becoming an undesirable character, like the way that he is in. There's something about Mary, or oh. in Shit's Creek, where he plays Roland Shit, and it's just like the more disgusting and weird he can be, the more comfortable he feels in his characters.
2: Right, which I I have to say. You know, I've been a you know a fan of his work. I, I enjoyed get a, get a life, but I do have to say, is in terms of like his acting, and I don't think he claims to be any great type of of actor outside of comedy. Yeah, but his his work in Shits Creek, I feel like that's like his most nuanced character. I agree that, and all,
0: oh, let's not forget his role in Groundhog Day. As, right, uh, the cameraman. He's the yeah, I don't remember his name either, but this cameraman who's just always trying to hit on women and pick up women who's terrible at it and uh, you know, it's it, it for anybody else it would be kind of just a whatever character, but he puts something into this character that really makes turns it into uh, I don't know, it gives it more dimension.
2: He's a likable well, he's a likable character also sure. because for for a good portion of the movie Phil Connors, Bill Murray's character, is, is a much bigger asshole.
0: So unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so
2: Chris Elliott has done quite a bit, and also um, his father, Bob Elliott. Uh, of Bob and Ray. Of Bob and Ray, uh, you know. Comedy legend. Comedy legend, absolutely. We've seen him in, in Quick Change. Right. And he, yeah. played, he played Chris Elliott's father uh, both on Get a Life and plays him in Cabin Boy. Sure, yeah. Briefly,
0: (laughs) yeah, briefly, yeah, and you know, talking about the Elliot family, Abby Elliot, his daughter, was on Saturday Night Live. He's, uh, she's been in, you know, a bunch of little things here and there. I think some sitcoms and things like that. And And Chris was
2: on Saturday in mid '90s. uh, Chris was, yeah. uh,
0: And then um, Bridie Elliot, she is a an amazingly hilarious person. I highly recommend following her on social media, but also she uh, directed a movie starring their whole family called Clara's Ghost, and she's a tremendous talent, uh, she was a guest on my old podcast, Hey Teens, and she was a delight, and uh, yeah, what a family, just yeah. truly talented people, and I, uh, I'm i happy that they do what they do. Absolutely, I mean, we wouldn't be
2: here having this conversation if they didn't, I mean, we'd be here having a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, but it wouldn't be it. Would, it wouldn't be about Cabin Boy either. That or it would be about Cabin Boy starring someone different. And well, no, because he co-wrote it. So yeah. So and speaking of co co-writer, let's not uh, forget Adam Resnick, right? Who uh, wrote one of one of our mutually favorite comedies, uh, Death, <laughs> Death to Smoochie. Yeah, Smoochie the yeah. Rhino. Yeah.
0: So which I. Uh, IRL we talked we mentioned earlier today um we we're well because on the last episode we were talking about Fletch lives and how um uh, oh, um the chef chef Don uh, Don Brockett, Don Brockett Don was Brockett. in Fletch lives and then how uh to me he feels like the spinner done uh, in real life uh, for for Mr. Rogers so uh yeah Adam Resnick Has also written um, on the show Divorce on HBO, which is excellent. Thomas Hayden Church and Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, Molly Shannon is also in that, and she's fantastic. And uh, wrote on Saturday Night Live in the 90s. I'm sure that that's where he and Chris Elliott linked up at first, maybe. No, they they linked up prior to life. Yeah, they linked up. um, Oh, late David Letterman. Yeah, they linked up on Letterman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to have that kind of history and to see that kind of thing come through. And uh, in terms of directing, let me see. He did not
2: direct, to the best of my knowledge, Adam Resnick has not directed since Cabin Boy.
0: He directed the 1995 Academy Awards Ceremony.
2: Which was hosted by David Letterman. There you go. On which he mocked cabin boy. (laughs) Did he really?
0: Yeah, yeah. let's try to find that clip and put it in right here.
1: You know, someone once said that acting is the enchanted wand that turns words into magic. Thankfully, we've had that person dragged out to the parking lot and beaten. (laughs) I'm talking about words like, I could have been a contender. Here's looking at you, kid. Life is like a box of chocolates. All shining examples of how a few simple words become cinematic legend. Last year, as the global film community knows, I made my big screen debut in a little something called Cabin Boy. And I, too, was lucky enough to turn words into magic. Watch closely. Would you like to buy a monkey? Why don't we enjoy that again? Would you like to buy a monkey? But you know, as with all great work, I was not the first or only choice. Here now, take a look at some of my fellow actors who auditioned for this plum role. Would you like to buy a monkey? Would you like to buy a monkey?
0: I can do one bigger.
1: Wanna buy a donkey? A monkey. I'm confused. I I thought I was playing the monkey. What's the matter?
0: You don't like monkeys? I like monkey. You like monkey?
3: Listen here, I'm not going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you one more time. You want to buy the monkey or not? Huh?
1: Woo. And I can do it in German or anything.
2: <laughs> I want you to buy this
1: monkey. Could you clear my eyeline, please, back there? Could everybody get out of my eyeline? Thank you. Would you like to buy a monkey? Mexican monkey. Happy. Woo! Hey, mister, want to buy a monkey? Would you like to buy a monkey?
3: <laughs> want to buy a monkey? Would you like to buy a monkey? Monkey waiting
2: for
0: a phone call.
1: Mm, monkey. Monkey after a big meal. Woo-hoo!
3: <laughs> oh, my.
0: so anyway cabin boy and this is all going to be off the dome because i did not write this one out in advance full disclosure i just moved into a new home and that t- takes a lot of time and energy not a lot of time to sit down and write the uh plot synopsis for cabin boy <laughs>
2: but no better movie to cover on a week when you don't have time to take oh, detailed notes. <laughs> totally. Because. Oh my
0: god. Oh my god. Well, because it's so easy to remember so many bizarre <laughs> facts about that movie just because they stand out.
2: So, Oh, it's a bizarre bizarre movie. I haven't seen it since I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw it on VHS.
0: Me too. And I but I I remembered certain things and we'll come around to that. Um but I honestly like can't remember like okay full disclosure i was watching it and i had to text dan just so i'm not crazy (laughs) does this movie look like it's shot on a camcorder or do i is something wrong with my tv and he just (laughs) wrote back camcorder and uh, it, it, hd does this movie no favors it looks like
2: it reminded there so the scene so a, a good portion of the movie takes place on this this boat the filthy whore right and it, a lot of the scenes that take that that are shot on the deck of the ship look like like behind the scenes footage kind of like when you'd watch a and i'm i'm sure they still air these but like HBO would do like a behind the scenes like a like a twenty minute like behind the scenes thing for like a current theatrical release, and okay. they would, it was like when it like when they would show like the the making of the Perfect Storm, and okay. it's like they're standing on the boat, and it's like in the behind the scenes footage, you can clearly see, you know, like like the 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 machine that's rocking. The boat and the water, right, like yeah. the water hitting the the backdrop. No, yeah,
0: it looks like an SNL sketch that takes place well, in a boat.
2: Here's the thing: is like in the finished product of the movie, it doesn't look that way. But right. except for Cabin Boy, where you actually do see the water splashing <laughs> against the backdrop, and there's so much weird, like random anachronistic shit in this movie that yeah. just—it's like when the hell does this take place? But also,
0: like in a way, I feel almost like chris elliott would have said like no let's actually do that like let's keep it as weird as possible and i think that in in terms of money it's super mm-hmm. cheap to do so well that's why what, that's kind of what happened
2: with with get a life where the fox executives basically gave up on giving them notes right because they just kept making these bizarre and fox was a relatively new network at the time and they were known for pushing boundaries married with children was Mm -hmm. one of their big hits the simpsons Simpsons. yeah which get a life followed the simpsons it was on after this it had the simpsons as its lead in in 1990 wow when every american watched the simpsons yeah and Get a life was it, it was just it was bizarre and these there was like you know an episode where he uh, Chris Elliott thinks he's going to become a male model and he oh goes, yeah the handsome boy the modeling handsome boy modeling school
0: right. right so all right I'm going to get into the synopsis for Cabin Boy yes all right so Chris Elliott plays Nathaniel Mayweather who has graduated from Fancy Lad School I don't remember the exact name of it and. Uh, Upon graduating, he is about to embark on his journey to go back to his family in Hawaii aboard the Queen Catherine. On the way to the Queen Catherine in his limo, his limo dryer has had enough of his shit and kicks him out. And on his walk to try to get to the Queen Catherine, where he is so afraid of breaking a sweat, for he has never done a lick of exercise he comes across a sign pointing to the Queen Catherine. But the cow that is blocking the sign happens to be blocking the arrow pointing in the other direction. So thinking that he's on his way to the Queen Catherine ends up in a very small fishing village where he comes across a, uh, a sock monkey salesman played by David Letterman who assures him that the Queen Catherine is uh, just up the way a little bit. And as it turns out, this uh, this salty guy happens to really hate the fancy lads, so that's kind of his uh, his revenge is sending is sending uh, Nathaniel aboard this stinky fishing vessel, which is being guarded by Andy Richter's character uh, Kenny. Kenny, that's right, Kenny, and Kenny is a total dimwit. And there's a, you know, lack of communication. And, and Nathaniel assures him that he his family knows the captain and he should have the finest quarters and the best food. And when he gets on this stinky old fishing vessel, thinks that it's a theme boat about stinky fishing vessels. And the fact that it is disgusting it really shows him the amount of commitment they have given to this... Uh, this theme. So after they have already set sail, that's when the captain and the fishermen aboard notice that he is there. And uh, among those is Rich Brinkley, who plays Captain Graybar, James Gammon, who plays Paps, who uh, I remember most from Major League. Major League, yeah. 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 Uh, we've got Brian Doyle-Murray as Skunk. And... From Tango and Cash, we have Brian James playing Big Teddy. May I say,
2: Brian James is like the MVP. Brian James <laughs> delivers some lines in this that I I laughed out loud about
0: and then like laughed out loud again thinking about them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a perfect cast for a bunch of old stinky fishermen. And so they are on their way and... Nathaniel requests that they send him, that they take him to Hawaii. And they're just like, uh, hell no. He convinces Kenny in the dark of night to change course because it would be a nice surprise for the captain to end up on a vacation. So Kenny ends up bringing them into, I forget what it's called, but it's essentially the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. And a giant storm. Uh, throws Kenny overboard to his death, and uh, I mean this is super young Andy Richter. Yeah. Oh man, it was nice to see him playing just like you know, just as like this very young actor, uh, trying to you know being in a being in a movie. I don't know what what really he'd done before that. Conan. I think he had just just been a little bit, but barely a year. But, yeah, if, a year if that. Yeah. So there he was, this fresh faced little. Andy Richter. So, as they are in the thick of this storm, they encounter a lot of fantastical uh, beings, and the the forces of nature are working against them. Meanwhile, because Kenny has been thrown overboard, they say to him, "If you do all of the chores on the boat, we will take you to Hawaii." and so he becomes a cabin boy and is doing all of the all of the the chores uh, and and on their way they come across Trina played by Melora Walters who I know best from Magnolia right it's really
2: hard to to see her and not
0: just expect her to like just do do a couple of lines of blow oh totally yeah, yeah. uh and she is this person who is trying to swim from maryland to maryland i think that's what she said i could be totally wrong on that but it is like it's some really bizarre thing and uh nathaniel sees her with her eyes closed floating and thinks that she's in trouble turns out she's just sleeping so (laughs) she he ruins her entire journey and for some reason reason she stays on board with them and, and Nathaniel is like in love with her instantly and um I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember there's really. nothing
2: weird or creepy at all about it no nothing weird no, or not at, at all.
0: all. at one point is it Nathaniel who falls like overboard and goes into the ocean and is saved by by chalky by chalky a half man half shark played by Russ Tamblin. And it's who's wonderful. And so and this is, you know, shortly after uh, Twin Peaks is run. So, uh, yeah, there's yeah, he falls. I forget like, well, there's the there's the part
2: where they put him uh, where they put Chris Elliott like out on
0: out on like the raft oh, and they're yeah. like, you're gonna be the lookout for a week. They sent yeah, they they send him out and he is just going completely crazy. Isn't that when
2: he meets Chalky? I think so.
0: Because he's hallucinating. Right. And yeah,
2: it's crazy. And there's there's all these crazy well anyway, get I, I don't
0: want to veer us off the synopsis uh, here. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember exactly how it ended because I was like fighting to stay awake. Well, because then it gets to so. Of course, he starts
2: to grow on the the crew, and right, they start yeah. to like him. And then, uh, oh, they have to. Uh, oh, what happens with the ship? It's damaged, and they have to they have to land the ship on An like island. the one. There's only one place yeah. where they can land it, and um, so they 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 go ashore, right? And he's. Uh, and Nathaniel is really into, um, uh, what, what's her name, <laughs> what's her character's uh, name again? Uh, Trina. Trina, right. Really into Trina and um, really, you know, wants to impress her, but he's a virgin. Right. And so they tell oh, him yeah. and they're like, oh, well, there's someone on this island who can, oh,
0: I totally forgot all about this. It yeah, it's super bizarre. Does he, she have like six arms or something? Well, yeah, this part is fantastic because he they're like she
2: lives in this cave up on the side of a mountain. Right. But like she's like sailors will basically go to her to get laid.
0: Yeah, and he goes off and says like something along the lines of like I, may, I will leave a cabin boy and I will return a cabin man, yes. which is one of the lines that I've remembered about this movie. It must have been like it was in, in the, the trailer. trailer. It yeah. was definitely
2: in the trailer. Yeah. And that and the, the, these pipes are clean.
0: The pipes are clean, which comes back and there's something about Mary. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because he suggests that uh, Ben Stiller cleans the pipes. Right, right.
2: Yeah, so he and it's Anne Magnuson plays this right mythical creature with six arms and she's just kind of like sitting there hanging out and and he, he like he has sex with her. Yeah. And he leaves just feeling more confident and more assured. And of course when he sees Trina, she automat she is now like totally into him because she sees
0: that he it's confident is, is a confident yeah. man now and he's like less of a douche right but the woman on this island has a very large husband like he, <laughs> when i say large i mean like 50 feet tall well, like, yeah he's
2: a he's a giant so she's human size right but he's a giant but he comes in and he, what does he sell he's got like a
0: oh my god what's his
2: I, business i can't even remember he's, he's played by mike Starr, who you would know you uh, Um, I would say, I mean, like Mike Starr, he's Mulligan. That's his name is Mulligan. And he is, he's, you would know Mike Starr from Goodfellas. He's the, he's the airport security guy who helps them arrange the Lufthansa heist in Goodfellas. But you would know him from other things. And I have, I I have, I have a little Mike Starr story, not a huge Mike Starr. Well, Mike, so Mike Starr and I used to be somewhat like neighbors, in Northern, in North Jersey. And okay. uh, we would occasionally be on the same bus into huh. Manhattan. And we would also be in, I uh, would like see him. We'd both be at the Dunkin' Donuts for our coffee okay. in the morning. And I never really, you know, had any interactions with him, but it was kind of, I was, I was like, hey, Mike Starr. He was in Dumb and Dumber. He's the guy. Yes. Yes. He's the guy in Dumb and Dumber who they, they kill him with the the hot sauce. He's the gas man. Yeah, the
0: gas man. He's yeah. the gas man.
2: So um so yeah, but Mike and Mike Star is awesome in this because he comes in and he's like, Oh, god damn it, again. Right again, and he's like it's, it's such a funny scene because he's got this, he's just like wearing a suit. Like he's just this regular guy coming back from the office and that he's got this like business, he's got a store set up on the side of a mountain. Right. But he's like all frustrated and he's like, yeah, but no, who's going to like, why? Yeah. No one's coming into to my store.
0: Right. So, uh, he can tell that she has slept with somebody and he has, uh, committed himself to finding whoever it is and kill them. So that is Nathaniel. He says, and, I'm going to kick me some sailor boy ass. Yeah. And he's going to kill him with a giant nail clipper. <laughs> it's yes. the strangest thing. Yes. And uh, who saves him? Spoiler Choc- alert. Choc-y. Uh Yeah. Which, and
2: by the way, and, and I mean, we'll come back to this, but I feel like it's appropriate to say it now major uh barb and star vibes oh major I, I don't know barb if i want to be vibes. any more specific about it since yeah. barb and star is still a relatively recent movie yeah and some people may not have seen it but th- there are so, there are th- there is a like i i felt a-, a few times in the movie like i'm like there's like a barb and star well and i feel like movies
0: like this I, and i, I want to say that like i was talking to somebody about this recently but like movies like this really created a pathway for for those types of movies these absurd comedies and in 94 it's no surprise that it would be kind of given yeah, i don't know like tiny budgets and you know not considered all that serious but when it shows to have a, a cult following the way the cabin boy does it really go it really proves that they're viable yeah
2: there's some really interesting elements to, to this. Oh, so, so back to the synopsis before we, we go off.
0: Right, so they get to Hawaii. Oh, he kills uh, Mike Starr with the... Mulligan. With, mulligan with uh, his belt. He strangles him with a belt. And then they, uh, they finally get to Hawaii. He offers them... So his father owns... Nathaniel's father owns a hotel... And offers them all jobs. It looks like the Marriott. No. Oh. <laughs> like it look it looks like they're it looks yeah. like they're, like the Koalina
2: uh Marriott there yeah. in, in Hawaii.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much what happens. And it's a crazy ass movie. Yeah, he
2: offers them jobs and it ends and it's Bob Elliott as his father looking like Benjamin Franklin. Which right. Is it's like the look of this movie goes from being it's it's like either late eighties or late eighteenth century.
0: Yes, yes. It, it like starts where you boys, don't know. Yeah, they're Wait, all with wigs. they isn't the, Alfred Molina the like professor? Alfred
2: Molina, oh my god,
0: is the
2: prof is is the professor at the fancy boys school, fancy lad school, fancy lad school,
0: right? And uh, yeah, this movie it just. It just really goes into strange territories. Uh, And by the way, um, it it ultimately ends with Nathaniel joining Trina and the fisherman back on the boat. Right. He decides that's the life for him. Sure. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's so bizarre. It's so
2: biz- It's so bizarre, and there's some parts, right, that look like the like the the budget and the quality are really terrible. But then there's these like really cool, like they're they're almost like it reminded me of Terry Gilliam's The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yeah, yeah. with the clouds, the clouds blowing. blowing. Yeah. The, it, so that whole aspect of it, it felt. It, I, I don't know. It yeah. felt like there was maybe some potential for for more, but it. It was like, the, it just wasn't, it, tonally it was all over the place. Absolutely. Intentionally. And like like David Letterman is the sock money salesman. Like he's, he's like, you know, it, they're in this fishing village, which looks like it would be a, you know, maybe late 19th century right. fishing village. But he's got like used TVs that he's selling. It's so weird. Has David Letterman den, done any other acting? I don't think so. I think that's, David Letterman's only, like, film appearance, not just as David Letterman.
0: Yeah, I wonder if he did it just because, I mean, it's it's, it's his friend. Well, yeah. A- and, you know, yeah. just, like, trying to raise the profile of this crazy project.
2: I mean, if I remember correctly when it came out, because it was marketed, on, like, part of the marketing was that, like, mm-hmm. Dave Letterman had a cameo in it, and I felt like it, that's how it was pushed, was, like, he's, he's
0: helping out his, his buddy. Yeah. Yeah, what a fun, weird piece of our world history.
2: <laughs> just they, the fact they don't that teach adjusts, you this part in school.
0: Just like, and then in the early '90s, they made this movie. People actually got paid to do this, and here we are. And like Tim Burton was part of it, like in uh, Tim Burton's prime. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, this is the same year Ed Wood comes out. Yeah. So, I mean, which many might argue is in terms of like Tim Burton's like you know quality films. Right. It, it, the argument could be made that Ed Wood is is like his highest quality. film. It's great. It's not. It, I love it, it. It might not be my. It, it's not like my number one Tim Burton movie, but it is like I think just the. It showed the potential. What is that your he number had.
0: one Tim Burton? Planet of the Apes. Probably. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, Planet of the Apes is on a different level. So, um, no, my favorite Tim Burton movie is probably Batman. I just have, like, that, like, I, it was, yeah. I was the right age when that yeah, came totally, out. Yeah, totally, totally. And, um, so, that's probably, like, my sentimental favorite. I think his, his actual, like, best, highest quality movies are Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. So the Eds. Yeah. The Eds have it. Um, but I mean, you know, it's like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Right. Beetle- Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice could be my favorite Tim Burton movie. I, it's a tough call. It's a really tough call. It's like my 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 personal sentimental favorites are, are the bees, either Beetlejuice or Batman. And like my like top quality Tim Burton are the movies Eds? are the Eds.
0: Yeah. Yes. And then
2: Pee-wee, I mean, yeah. yeah, Pee-wee is that's it's that one almost kind of can't it's a even a separate category. You can't even really compare it, yeah, to yeah to the rest of of Tim Burton. And I I, I liked I I've enjoyed Tim Burton. I enjoy Sleepy Hollow. I liked Big Fish. I like I think Big Fish was like his the last, last of the, yeah yeah because because after that well well. Planet of the Apes was before that.
0: Right, yeah.
2: But then you got into your Dark Shadows, Charlie and the Chocolate
0: Factory. The ones that just were like, this seems like a Tim Burton movie. Let's it was get like it where Tim
2: Burton and Johnny Depp went to a hat store and were like, let's find the a hat wigs, first. A and that, store. A hat and wig store. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, all right, what crazy shit are we going to put you in now? Yeah. And that's where Johnny... It, that, and I think it was... I, I feel like, like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp's career and Johnny Depp... Uh, john johnny depp's got his own issues yes but i feel like their careers like they were both in the early 2000s really highly regarded like i think big fish was going to be like tim burton's oscar movie
0: yeah i could see that i could see that
2: i think albert finney got a nomination i think he did that.
0: albert finney was yeah. excellent in that
2: oh yeah I, I big fish is a great movie but, oh, what, and then Tim Burton, oh, he did Dumbo recently. He did Dumbo,
0: Big Eyes. Alice
2: in Wonder. I never saw
0: Big Eyes. Big Eyes was okay. It was, I'd say it's pretty good. Uh, It's a true story. And I like that it's not, I mean, here's the thing. I know that we are a podcast that talks a lot about reboots and remakes and things like that, where Tim Burton has kind of fallen into that world um, especially with Planet of the Apes, Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows, Dark Shadows. Yeah, like he's really just gotten into that groove, and it just you know, there's just something that feels a little like, eh, okay, that's kind of him now. It's like Tim Burton kind of put it in Cruise Control about like right. uh, but, fifteen years ago. But then he does Big Eyes, which is a nice, refreshing, like course change for him. And, you know, you have Christoph Waltz, you have Amy Adams, and it's like, it should have been better. Um, I don't know why it wasn't better. It's just like, you watch it and you're just like, okay, all right. Like, maybe if this had been made in the early 90s, it mm-hmm. would have felt more appropriate.
2: Well, and another, and so Tim Burton... Uh, Obviously, did not end up directing Cabin Boy, and I think he no. kind of like strong armed Adam Resnick into directing it himself. So, and one thing that Adam Resnick has said since then is that the the movie was kind of written to be tailored to Tim Burton, which you strengths. can,
0: which you can tell,
2: absolutely. Yeah. But even the music. So, of course, you can't say Tim Burton without thinking Danny Elfman. Yeah. The music for Cabin Boy is done by Steve Bartek, who was the, I think, lead guitarist for Oingo Boingo. Oh.
0: So it's kind of like... It's like, where do I know that name? Yes.
2: It's kind of like, well, we don't have Tim Burton directing this movie, wow. but it's Tim Burton style. We don't have Danny Elfman scoring it, but we have somebody else from Oingo Boingo, not to discredit Steve Bartek's musicianship no. No, or, no, 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 or abilities no. at all, but it's kind of like
0: a... No, look, this is a movie where you have a lot of really fun and funny people having a lot of fun. And it really shows, uh, you know, it plays to Chris Elliott's strengths. And uh, I, you know, you you see people like David Letterman acting and having fun and just like being goofy and a weird sock monkey salesman, which is like... What is going
2: on? And he's just, but and he's funny, and he just kind of he messes with Chris Elliott. Oh yeah, so much, and 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 it's funny because Chris Elliott's character is unlikable, so you really don't totally feel yeah. bad for him. Yeah,
0: no, yeah, you, you do not want this guy to get onto the Queen Catherine for a second. No, it's like let's get this guy into some crazy antics immediately. So anyway, it's. It's a really wild movie. It is currently streaming on Hoopla, which is uh, free if you have a library card. I believe most libraries use it. I I can't speak to anywhere outside of the United States, but maybe it's streaming somewhere else for you. I don't know. It could be. It
2: could be. Or you could check out the, I think it was Kino Lorber that issued a
0: like special edition Blu-ray oh. a couple of years yeah. ago, or you can check out a dollar bin somewhere where it's like, oh, weird, Cabin Boy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean,
2: yeah. Although I don't, I, I I can't tell you the last time I've checked out a dollar bin. Yeah, I I, I
0: don't know either. Yeah,
2: yeah, but it's yeah, it's one of those movies that I I don't think you often think about going back to if you even think if it even comes up
0: at all <laughs> no i uh, but i'm i'm glad it exists i'm glad that it has a bit of a cult following and that it has i, I don't know i i hope that it in some ways get, like helped boost chris elliott's career well well or
2: you know it fortunately didn't ruin chris elliott's career well that's true
0: but it's interesting.
2: There's a lot, and there's you know, like we were talking about the some of the possible influence on current comedies like *Barb and Star*. Uh-huh. It's also interesting to note that Brian Doyle Murray's character wears this red skull cap, and I can't help but think of his brother Bill's iconic oh, character like, Stinky too. Yeah. And I'm like, did did Bill Murray like, yeah. I don't hey, no, never know. Did he come up with that? And I did, don't know. There are there are so many of these really interesting and funny scenes, and and like Rust Hamlin is a half man, half shark. That
0: is the most amazing, amazing, amazing twist in this movie. Because I think that's the first thing that you see that's like truly bizarre. Uh, yeah, well, because
2: isn't it? Doesn't that come? Don't we meet Chalky like during his hallucinations? Yeah,
0: yeah. Which oh boy, there's oh my some... God. It's crazy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so Dan. Yeah. All right. What would you do if you were given a zillion dollars and you and they said do something with Cabin Boy?
2: <laughs> a zillion dollars. Wow.
0: Well, I don't know. Um, uh,
1: let's let's
0: say let's let's say i don't know uh 10 million well you know what
2: here's so here's what i was thinking i was watching i'm watching cabin boy and i'm like this would have been so funny especially in 1994 if it had been done like I'm saying like really like detailed, authentic in the style of a merchant ivory film.
0: Oh, <laughs> and
2: it, for, for those who might not know what I'm talking about by a merchant ivory film, we're talking about these prestige period pictures that yeah. were often about wealthy British people in like the 18th and 19th, a room with a view. Yeah. Howard's end, the remains of the day, which all, oh, I think that was also, I think no, remains of the day, I think was 93. But okay, I, I and I was thinking I was like, man, had they done this like totally deadpan in the style of a Merchant Ivory film, that would have been hilarious, especially at that time because it was a, it was always like the Oscar nominations were all right. What's the Merchant Ivory Best Picture nominee going right. to be? And like, you know, who's going to get you know, Marisha, Miranda Richardson, Helena Bonham Carter, right? um uh, Anthony Hopkins all of those all of those actors so it's like what if like Richard E Grant had played sure. yeah. had played yeah. Nathaniel and and they had done this just like straight up uh Ivory. so i think i would actually like i would do a remake and i would try to i, I like i would remake it I, I don't know how much of the actual script I would change, but I would I would use that money to really I
0: would merchant ivory it up. Dan, I had the same exact idea. What I I, I don't think I was thinking like merchant ivory exactly, but I was thinking like prestige, like Ray finds as like the captain or something like that. Like like I want the like the finest actors of the day to be in this. Uh. Play it like exactly beat for beat characters exactly the same, but actually put the production value into it. Make and that's and that would make it would make it so funny because like by not doing it in a style any way similar to the original makes both of them funnier. Mm hmm. I love it. Take Cabin Boy
2: and just, yeah, totally play it straight. But keep all of that, keep all of, like, that, the weird stuff. Maybe not so much the, like, anachronistic elements, like the microwave on the ship and the TVs.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe.
2: Or maybe just, like, have them there. But not- I maybe, like, have that stuff without calling it out. Not right, that they really yeah. call it out, but... Just like a random, like imagine you're watching like Howard's end and you see a VCR in the background yeah. and no one says anything about it. No one. It's just like, oh, it's like, you know, there's the fine china and the candlesticks and there and, and oh, the VCR. So, and then I don't know who you would have to, you know,
0: you'd have like the dead, like get the doubt people who do Downton Abbey. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to think of who could play Nathaniel and I'm having a little bit of a hard time. Uh, like what Donald about, Gleason. What um, about like Tom Holland? I was I was thinking Tom Holland. I think he's too young, and I know he's also done dramas, but I think that he's too well known right now for doing high energy fun characters. Spider Man. Uh, well, not just Spider Man. I mean, like you know he, he's he's. I think that even just like his personal life, mm. like he, you know, he's, be he's just known as being a personality as Tom Holland. You know
2: who would be good? Because the other thing about Cabin Boys, I would want to cast Nathaniel as younger.
0: It's, it's yeah, I guess so. Because I think that what's, what's funny about Chris Elliott is that he is older. Well, and he's pretty know? much Chris Elliott yeah.
2: in this. But like, what about like a Tom Hiddleston type?
0: Sure. Yeah. It's funny because like when you think about who like the biggest actors are it's hard to not think about the cast of the Avengers or, or like what Timothy Chalamet could be Timothy Chalamet I mean you know it, in Little Women it'd be pretty much a, a very similar character but I mean and I think like he can do comedy yeah yeah. He would just need to do it really
2: bed uh, bedpan. Deadpan.
0: <laughs> yeah, bedpan.
2: <laughs> um you know, who else was I think I feel like like Ben Wishaw is another one, but I think he might be uh-huh. a little too old.
0: Yeah, it's it's kinda hard to figure out who the right Nathaniel would Benedict be. Benedict
2: Cumberbatch.
0: Well, I think that Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> would also be another good um sailor or uh chalky well i love i
2: oh no he'd be a yes yes yeah, benedict cumberbatch uh, cumberbatch as chalky yeah i love your suggestion of ray fines i mean ray fines ha- is one of our oh, finest totally. comic actors yeah <laughs> he has become
0: i i mean i it would also be great if like, i love like, this was the movie that daniel day lewis came out of retirement for
2: oh wow no then daniel day lewis as chalky or or is the socks Monkey salesman? <laughs>
0: Daniel Day Lewis says Chucky's pretty great. <laughs> oh my god. Look,
2: anyone who has seen The Phantom Thread knows that
0: Daniel Day Lewis can be hilarious. Phantom Thread, I I watched again recently, is one of the best movies. Period. It's so
2: good, and you don't it,
0: expect it, even though it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I'm telling you, the first time I watched it. I didn't know how I felt about it until, like, the very end of the movie, and then I was like, this is the best movie. I was like, I don't know if I like this up until the very end. And I was I, like, I love this. I was like, you know what, I'm
2: usually, I'm like, Paul Thomas Anderson is a brilliant director right, and yeah. I'm usually down for anything he does and I'm usually down for anything that Daniel Day-Lewis is in but Phantom Thread I was like do I really want to watch like this mer- like a merchant ivory movie with Daniel Day-Lewis as this designer and then I'm watching I'm like oh damn yes, this I do. is great yes, I do.
0: Reynolds Woodcock <laughs> Best, just best name.
2: You know who else I would like to throw in there as a, as a sailor? Because <laughs> he, he said Woodcock. For some reason, it made me think of the movie Mr. Woodcock. Uh, Bill, Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's tricky, though, too, because, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, even though he really made his career on movies like Sling Blade uh, or, you know... On Armageddon. Well, yes, he's done movies like Armageddon, but also... You know, I think about movies like Woodcock, or I think about the Bad News Bears reboot. Bad and, Santa. And Bad Santa, and it's like he's maybe more well-known for those, like, curmudgeonly comedic movies. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't think anyone... And it's a shame. It's a shame because, you know, his dramatic works are excellent. Well, Sling the Blade,
2: w- I mean... Yeah, oh, I, I haven't gone back to that movie in quite some time. But I watched a, a few years ago. It's, it's a powerful movie. It
0: certainly is. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, uh, I yeah, I, I'm really hard pressed to think about who I who exactly would be the perfect Nathaniel. Who? How about Trina? Trina. Um, well, here's who I would say for the like six armed woman. I was thinking Angelina Jolie. Speaking of Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, okay. Um,
2: all right. For Trina, who was I? Th- I was thinking of someone for this for the six armed woman for uh for
0: Trina, would it be Sersha Ronan? Oh, okay, yeah, that that would... or, or she's still too young. I guess it well, I was thinking of Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick, nah, see, the thing is too like, similar, too similar, yes, too peppy, uh, for something like this. But I think she, she, she,
2: she Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, Sersha, yeah, <laughs> um, I apologize, would, uh, would be. I I think she'd be she'd be great. Yeah. I think
0: that she's certainly done enough um, period pieces and dramatic turns that you know her career has been really founded on that type of role. Right. And you know, I, speaking of her, and I know that we're not really talking too much better, but like I, you know, it didn't occur to me how long I've been watching her in movies where the first time I really noticed her was the Grand Budapest Hotel, but, like, she was in The Lovely Bones and Hannah.
2: Atonement Atonement. was, I think, her first.
1: Yeah,
0: but it's like I didn't realize that I had been watching her all this time until Grand Budapest Hotel was when I noticed her, and then uh, she's really just been, like, one after the other, like, totally killing it. Uh, Lady Bird, um, Little Women, uh, what was the one that she? Oh, Am- Ammonite. That's the one that she just did with Kate mm-hmm. Winslet. Mm-hmm. So good. Like she's excellent, and uh, love her work.
2: Oh, so so who? Uh, as, uh, some casting options as the the, the six armed woman, right? Uh, potentially, if, especially if you're going to throw a nod to the uh, to the Merchant Ivory flicks. Helena Bonham Carter. Sure. Also, if you're going to throw a nod to Tim, I mean to Tim, to Burton. to Tim Burton's yeah. movies. So. Helen and Bonham Carter, there was somebody else that, that I had had in mind that I was like, oh, she'd be hilarious. Actually, you know who would be if you went in a totally different direction? Nicole Byer.
0: <laughs> That's actually, a totally and, different and, direction. And,
2: and, you know what? Actually, mentioning Nicole Byer, I also had been thinking about, I was like, oh, what about Gabrus? As, as as Nathaniel? Cameron Boy? <laughs> I
0: like,
2: Gabrus would be a funny... Nathaniel.
0: Um yeah, he'd be funny as any character in this movie.
2: Now, what would you do with with Kenny with with that role?
0: Oh, uh Andy Richter. Just bring back Andy R- Richter. the same character. Yeah. He'd, age doesn't matter for him. It'd be it'd be really interesting to see Andy Richter just do the, do the same thing again. That would be fun but to did, see w- Andy. What Richter. did you
2: think? I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about it. So but and that was why it, it kind of I came up. I was like, oh yeah, well wait a second. That's another role that you would need to right. to recast.
0: Anyway, so I we, we are perfectly aligned on this idea. Uh, it's the only thing I thought of was just like, how funny would it be if it was just remade but done completely serious? And yeah, love it. Well,
2: oh well. Jeez, we're aligned on it. Has to happen now. Now I, it's so funny because I, 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 I'm, I'm now like really, I'm, i kind of really want to see this now that we've been talking. Oh, about absolutely. It. Who wouldn't want to see this?
0: Yeah. Oh man. I mean, even like I, I, I just want to like leak to like Deadline or like Slash Film or something like that. That there's a rumor going around that they're doing this just to like see it circulate (laughs) and to like hear the rumors like I this is a rumor I want spread the internet whoever's listening spread this rumor like like Merchant Ivory I don't know who who does the the, I mean Merchant
2: Ivory did what called me by your name
0: call me by your name or like Uh, was
2: it one of them wasn't that James Ivory I you know I, I don't know. I I think so. I think James Ivory uh, wrote and directed Call Me By Your Name.
0: Maybe. You know, I I I, don't know. I I mean, that is a movie that I really, really like. uh, And I'm glad that I rewatched it just before all of the Army Hammer stuff started coming out. Because I got to watch it for one last time before. Now, I don't think I could ever watch it again. And uh, it's a beautiful movie. It's... Very well done. It's just like the tone of it is so so great. Timothy Chalamet is is awesome in it, and uh, yeah, it's too bad that Army Hammer is a uh, a creep. It's it's hard. To, I mean, I, I
2: I haven't I know I know a little bit about the about about this situation, but yeah, I'm like I'm just baffled by it. And, like, I want to know more, but I feel like I ne- I either need to know everything or the little right. bit that I know right now. Yeah. Or that I think I know.
0: Well, we don't have to talk about it any further.
2: No, he's not. We're not considering him
0: for this. No, 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 no. No. So. Ah, uh, yeah. Cabin Boy. That's Cabin Boy. If And if you have any thoughts about it, feel free to email us, ruinchildhoodspot at gmail.com. Uh, you can find links to all of our social stuff on our link tree, which is uh, linktree <laughs> linktree slash childhoods. And uh, Dan, why don't you tell us what we're doing on the next episode?
2: On our next episode, we are we are taking our first look at a John Waters film. Yeah, we have not talked about John Waters on this podcast, and John Waters. Uh, you know, groundbreaking filmmaker whose whose work I know, I think we're both fans of. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be revisiting his 1994 comedy, Serial Mom. That's right. Starring Kathleen Turner.
0: Yes, I am excited. I haven't watched this movie since it came out on video, probably.
2: It's been a while for me. And there are parts of that movie that, stand standout that have been stuck in my head yeah. since I first saw it. And I'm really, I'm glad that I haven't gone back and watched it. Cause there've been several times uh-huh. I've been tempted to, but I'm glad because now watching it for this, it's just going to be that, that much more like fresh and new. For yeah. Me. So, well, uh, it'll
0: be fun to, to take a little journey through, um, I'm assuming Baltimore. If I had to guess, I think probably Balt the the suburbs of Baltimore, maybe. You know, there's a safe bet. It's kind of like if it was Barry Le- if, you know,
2: if it's Barry Levinson or, or John Waters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Chances are Baltimore is involved. Yeah.
0: Well, Dan, on your boat journey to Hawaii, I bid you a good journey. Good journey.
3: When I first joined this tub, Captain said unto me, A fine cabin boy will train you to be. Just do as you're told, and you'll get all your wishes. With a wink and a nod, and a tone quite suspicious. They say, Come aboard, lad, and do as you please. As long as the work's all down on your knees. So, why does it feel like I'm everyone's toy? It's a hard, hard well they put me to work and well scrubbing's a chore with a sponge in your hand and your knees always sore why not use a mop on all fours just seems dumb and why do the sailors all stare at me bum? they said come aboard lad, and do as you please as long as the work's all done on It's a hard, hard life for a young cabin
1: boy.
3: Well, I took a firm grip, and I pulled here and there. Let go of that rope, the captain did swear. But your other crewmate's toy sails aloft. It's important to keep your hands nice and soft. They said, come boy lad as you please as long as the work's all done on your knees so why does it feel like i'm everyone's boy? it's a hard hard life for a young cabin boy when it's time to call look out to me the job's cast a rope round my waist and i'm hauled up the mast Point out to see every spyglass on ship is pointed at me. They said, Come up, boy, lad, and do as you please, as long as the work's all done on your knees. So, why does it feel like I'm everyone's toy? It's a hard, hard life for a young cabin boy.
1: There's knots I must know
3: Like shanks and monk fist, And strangely they all seem To fit round my wrist They say I must learn these Cause I'm just a pup But why is it always Me getting tied up They said come aboard Dad, And do as you please As long as the work Sells down on your knees So why does it feel like I'm everyone's toy It's a hard, hard life a young cabin boy. Now I've been out to sea and a whole year has passed. I know every knot hole and every mast. If I've learned one thing, it's to negotiate. And for the right price, I'll be your first mate. They said come aboard and do as you please, as long as the work's done. Hard, hard life for a young cabin boy. They said, Come, the boy, lad, and do as you please as long as the work fell down on your knees. So now that I know that I'm everyone's toy, it's a hard, hard life. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. It's, it's a, a hard, 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 hard
1: life. life. Oh. For a
3: young cabin boy.